to the Redemption Podcast. We hope you're blessed by today's message. And you want to follow along? We're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 3. And if you don't have your Bibles, luckily we are blessed by technology. We're going to put it on the screen for you. 2 Kings chapter 3. I'm going to start reading at verse 12. When you have it, send some thumbs, some hearts. Let me know. Verse 12 says, And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. He's talking about Elisha. Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him, him being Elisha. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, what have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said to him, no, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. But now bring me a musician. This is where it gets good. This is where it gets good. Bring me an anointed musician. Do you know that an anointed musician can cultivate an atmosphere where the Word of God is brought forth and begins to penetrate hearts and minds so that souls are saved? The prophet said, bring me a musician. And then the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water, so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. How many know that sometimes things that are simple to the Lord we see as complex? Sometimes the biggest mountains standing in our way are easily moved in the hands of the Lord. So he said, this is a a simple matter. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Also, you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city and shall cut down every good tree and stop up every spring of water and ruin every good piece of land with stones. Verse 20, now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered that suddenly water came by way of Edom and the land was filled with water. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you help me to minister this message, tailor it, make it specific and intimate to every individual under the sound of my voice. Empower, enable, and strengthen me to deliver this message as you have delivered it to me. Lord, I take no ownership or authorship or credit because I know that every good and perfect gift comes from above. Lord, we give you all the honor, all the praise, all the glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 
Amen. Today I want to preach for a few minutes from the subject, Are You Thirsty? This is the third message in the series, If You Can. Anybody enjoyed this series? But I want to preach today from a subject, Are You Thirsty? If you are, I got your hookup. I'm going to share with you some valuable information. But before I do, tell me, what do you drink when you're thirsty? What's your favorite beverage? You're going to disappoint me if you put something alcoholic on the chat, okay? When you're thirsty, what's your favorite be beverage to drink? Somebody comment on the chat and share that with me. Kathy said Dr. Pepper, Diet Mountain Dew. There's a lot of different options. Gary Browning said pop or soda, depending on what region of the country you're from. But what I want to do to start off this message is I want to share with you the three best and the three worst thirst quenchers. I know you're excited. I can feel it. I can feel it. Don't yawn. I can feel your excitement. The three best thirst quenchers. Are you ready? The first one is water. Isn't it ironic that we know what will quench our thirst, but we're always looking for an alternative option? We know what we really need, but we're always looking for something else. The second one is milk. It's interesting that both water and milk are symbols of the Word of God. Water, milk, and fruit juice. Those are the three best thirst quenchers. The three worst, soda, Sprite Light, it's not a thirst quencher, it's a thirst enhancer. Dr. Pepper, Diet Mountain Dew, Coke Zero, it all enhances your thirst. So soda or pop, beer, I know none of you know nothing about that. Beer's not good for your physical or spiritual thirst. Let's just say that. And number three, coffee or energy drinks. Anything with caffeine actually increases, not decreases your thirst. So there it is. Maybe the reason you're thirsty is because you keep drinking things that increase your thirst. So what does that have to do with anything? Well, I wanted to share that information with you because I want you to know that how you quench your thirst is the real test. It's the test that determines what enemy you defeat. It's the test that determines what you accomplish. It's the test that determines the level that you attain. How you quench your thirst is the real test. In the beginning of our text, three kings, the king of Israel, the king of Judah, and the king of Edom were marching to declare war on Moab, the people, not the mother of all bombs. They 
marched for seven days. Three kings marched for seven days. And on the seventh day, they found themselves in a valley with no water. They found themselves in one of the driest places on the face of the earth with no water and no way to get any water. You see, their original plan was to triumph over the enemy. That was their vision. That was their goal. That was their dream, to triumph over the enemy. But those plans were seemingly derailed when they found themselves thirsty in the valley. Because when you have a life-threatening need, it will always take precedent over what you wanted to achieve, what you wanted to accomplish, what you wanted to attain. Their original plan was to triumph over the enemy, to defeat what they had never defeated before. But all that was seemingly put on hold when they found themselves thirsty in the valley. They had a need that their environment couldn't support. Do you know what that's like? Do you know what it's like to have a need that your bank account can't support? Do you know what it's like to have a need that your marriage can't support? Stay real still. Don't don't react to that. Your spouse is sitting right next to you. Do you know what that's like? Do you know what it's like to have a need that your life can't support? The children of Israel were in an environment that could not support their need. They were thirsty in the valley. And it may not seem like it, but this was a defining moment. Because how they quenched their thirst in the valley determined the outcome of their situation and their foreseeable future. Verse 12 says that they were thirsty and they sought the Lord. The first thing they did when they were thirsty is they sought the Lord. Is that the first thing you do? When you have a need, do you immediately seek the Lord? When you feel lonely or fearful or discouraged or uncertain, do you immediately seek the Lord? When things haven't went the way that you thought that they would, do you immediately seek the Lord? Or do you scroll through Facebook hoping to find something that only the Lord can give you. You call somebody hoping they'll give you something that only the Lord can give you. You get out your checkbook and try to figure things out when you need something that only the Lord can give you. Does your thirst cause you to seek the Lord? Look at what Jesus said in John 7, 37. It says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. According to Jesus, our thirst should be a stimulant that causes us to seek Him. Just like your alarm clock woke you up or at least made you semi-conscious so that you pushed the snooze button. Just like your alarm clock tried to wake you up, your thirst is supposed to be an indicator that causes you to seek the Lord and in verse 12 it says in response to their thirst they sought the Lord they were thirsty and they sought the Lord that's the first step that's the first step and then in verse 16 Elisha tells them 
Thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Elisha told them that God was going to send water, but they had to dig the ditches to catch the water that God was going to provide. The prophet said God's sending something, but you got to do something to be ready for what he's sending. Obviously, the more ditches they dug, the more water they would receive. They didn't realize it, but they decided the magnitude of the move of God that they were about to experience. That's what I've been telling you all throughout this sermon series. You are going to decide the magnitude of the move of God that you're about to experience by how prepared you are for it. So just to recap a chain of events, they were thirsty, they sought the Lord, and the Lord told them to dig. If you've dug a ditch before, I want to know about it. Comment in the chat and let me know about it. There are very few people that can say they've dug a ditch before. You know who wants to dig? Nobody. Nobody goes to college to dig ditches. Nobody wakes up with a dream about digging ditches. It is unpleasant. It is backbreaking. It is uncomfortable work. And before you think you know the answer, yes, I have dug ditches before. My grandfather did not believe in child labor laws. So when we went to visit him, it was like going to a work camp. We woke up early and we went to bed late and in between, we worked. We worked. Nobody wants to dig ditches. But what is digging ditches really? What is it? Digging ditches is essentially removing something in order to access a deeper level. That's good. That is so, so good. When we dig, whether it's physically or spiritually, we are removing something in order to access a deeper level. When Elisha told them to dig, he was saying, you're not going to be ready. You're not going to receive what you need on your current level. So you got to start removing things in order to access deeper levels. They came to Elisha and the Lord told Elisha to tell them, go back and start digging ditches in that low place, in that struggle, in that hardship, in that famine, in that need. Start digging ditches. So about midday, they started digging ditches. Elisha told them to dig and then in verse 17, he says, for thus says the Lord, you won't see wind, nor shall you see rain. What I'm about to do isn't going to come from where you expected it to come from. There's a word for somebody. You keep looking for the wrong person, the wrong place to give you what God is about to do for you. It's not going to come from where you are looking. It's not going to come from the natural place. You won't see wind. You won't see rain. Yet, that valley will be filled with water so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. When the Lord said, you won't see wind or rain, what he's really saying is that he doesn't have to change your environment in order to quench your thirst. Can I give you another one? Listen, here's another one. 
God doesn't have to change the climate of the world in order to improve your condition. God doesn't have to end COVID-19 to bless you. God does not have to end this pandemic to move you forward. Did you know that God gave Jeremiah a vision of an almond tree when he first began his ministry? And what was significant about the almond tree is that it blooms in the middle of winter. God was telling Jeremiah that when he found himself in a difficult, harsh, unforgiving, relentless, dry, barren environment, when he found himself in a place where everything around him was taking a step back, everything around him was regressing, everything around him was withering, everything around him was dying, that's the moment that God would bless Jeremiah. Why would God select that moment to bless Jeremiah? Because he wanted everyone around Jeremiah to know that Jeremiah had another source other than his surroundings. You want to know why God is going to bless you in the middle of this pandemic? You want to know why God is going to bless you in the middle of this valley? To show everyone looking in on your situation, every one of your spectators, that you have another source besides your surroundings. You have another source besides your economy. You have another source besides your check. You have another source besides what's around you. And that's why, that's why God has chosen this moment to show who you are and whose you are. <laughs> he said, dig ditches. And then in the morning, God's going to send water. So they had to work all evening long. And then they went to bed wondering if their investment would pay off. Wondering if God's word would come to pass. Have you ever been in that middle place where you were just wondering if God was going to bring it together? If God was going to work it out? Look at verse 20. It says, Now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered. Now that's significant, when the grain offering was offered, but I'm gonna tell you why later. That suddenly water came by way of Edom and the land was filled with water. I want you to notice that God made the water available, but it was only accessible because of the ditches that they dug. For example, many of you have unemployment funds available but you can only access those funds if you pick up a phone or you log on to the website and file a claim. Those funds are available to you right now, but you gotta do something in order to access them. God sent the water, but it was the ditches they dug that gave them access to what God had sent. What I'm telling you is that it's your preparation for what's coming that will determine the impact that it has on your life. It's your preparation that will allow you to receive what God is about to pour out. So God sent water to satisfy their thirst. But God wasn't through. He's not just going to give you what you need in this moment. He's going to change your life. Verse 23 says, The Moabites, the enemy, looked down into the valley and they seen the water in the ditches and to them it looked like blood. It looked like blood for two reasons. Number one, because of the reddish sandstone that's native to that valley. 
See, God's seen this valley coming. God knew they would be right there in that moment. And He used that valley to set them up for victory. The enemy looked at the water and the ditches and because of the sandstone, they thought that it was blood. Another reason they thought that it was blood is because nobody had seen wind or rain. See, there's a reason for why God does what He does. So they came to the conclusion that it's blood and that the kings had turned on themselves. Hoping to seize the moment, the enemy runs into the valley, making themselves vulnerable. And these three armies rise up and defeat the enemy. See, I, I, I told you at the beginning of this message how you quench your thirst is the real test. How they quenched their thirst in the valley brought them victory over the enemy. The same ditches they dug to satisfy their thirst, God used to enable them to triumph over the enemy. Can I preach for just a few minutes? Right now, we are in a valley. No one could have foreseen it. No one could have predicted it. No one could have anticipated it. But collectively, we are all in a valley. And everyone, regardless of race, gender, background, beliefs, young, old, male, female, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, everyone gets thirsty in the valley. We all thirst for something. Validation, acknowledgement, acceptance, relief, escape, rest, pleasure, success, wealth, notoriety. We all thirst for something. Thirst is natural. It's a common occurrence. It's a basic human need. But it's how you deal with that common occurrence. It's how you meet that basic human need. It's how you quench your thirst in the valley that determines the outcome of your situation. How you quench your thirst is the real test. It's the test that determines the enemy you defeat. It's the test that determines what you can accomplish. It's the test that determines what level you can attain to. How you quench your thirst is the real test. Your thirst can work for you or against you. It can be a strength or a weakness. It can be an ally or an adversary. It can be a stumbling block or a stepping stone. For example, the enemy's greatest temptation in your life is the one that promises to satisfy your greatest thirst. What the enemy offers you that you are most attracted to promises to satisfy a deep longing inside of you. But all the enemy really ever offers you is salt water. It, it looks like what you've been longing for. It looks like what's been missing. It looks like what's been absent from your life. It looks like it'll bring refreshment and relief and escape and pleasure and acceptance and support and acknowledgement. It looks like what you've been missing. But it's salt water. The more you drink it, the thirstier you become. The more you drink it, the more you crave it. The more you drink it, the more you long for it. The more you drink it, 
the more you need of it. The reason that some of you are so tired and weary, you're so exhausted and exasperated, the reason that some of you are on the verge of collapsing and crumbling, the reason that some of you are on the verge of giving in and giving out is because you keep drinking what the enemy offers you. And what the enemy offers you is designed to increase your thirst for what he's offering you. So no matter how much God, that's bad. No matter how much you drink of it, you always have to come back for more. You always have to come back for more. You don't want to be stuck in this cycle, but you, you find yourself always coming back for more. So the enemy wants to use your thirst to cause you to rebel to cause you to drift off course, to cause you to indulge, to cause you to give in. The enemy wants to use your thirst to cause you to ruin your marriage, to cause you to leave your babies, to cause you to quit your job, to cause you to miss your opportunity, to cause you not to walk through the door that God is about to open. That's why right before God sends your blessing, right before God sends your breakthrough, right before God sends your provision, the enemy will always show up with a tall glass of salt water. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you may not be able to tell the difference because it looks like exactly what you need. But in the end, you're still going to be thirsty. The enemy wants to use your thirst against you. But God, on the other hand, wants to use your thirst to prepare you for the blessing that he's about to pour out. God wants to use your thirst to motivate you to get ready for what he's about to release. Don't let your lack convince you that God has left you Nothing could be further from the truth. God is using your lack to stimulate your appetite for what he's about to do in your life. You wouldn't receive if you weren't hungry. You wouldn't consume if you weren't hungry. You wouldn't ingest if you weren't hungry. Do you know why the prodigal son came home? Because he was hungry. God is using your appetite to position and prepare you for what he's about to do in your life. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 26 says this. The appetite of the worker works for him, for his hunger urges him on. You know why I'm praying like I'm praying? Because I'm thirsty. You know why I'm motivated? Because I'm thirsty. You want to know why I'm pressing? Because I'm thirsty. I'm doing what I'm doing in this season because I'm thirsty. My thirst is urging me on. I would have quit by now had I not been thirsty. I'd have gave up had I not been thirsty. I wouldn't have went this far had I not been thirsty. My thirst is urging me on. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are the hungry. Blessed are the thirsty. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. This verse says it's a blessing to be thirsty, which is weird for us because we count our blessings by what we have, not by what's missing. We count our blessings by what's present, not by what's absent. And yet, it's a blessing to be thirsty. 
because what you receive from God will be determined by appetite, not availability. I already told you that God is limitless, that there's never a lack in Him, that there's never less in Him, that there's never deficit in Him, that there's always a surplus, always an excess, always an overflow. God is limitless. So what we receive from Him is dependent on appetite, not availability. The thirstier you are for the things of God, the more you'll receive. So if you're thirsty and you want to receive what God is about to release, you have to get ready. I've been telling you for the last three weeks, get ready, get ready, get ready. Your situation is about to change. God's about to use your valley. You're about to defeat enemies that you've never been able to defeat before. You're about to step into uncharted territory. You're about to step into new places and you've got to get ready. If you're thirsty and you're ready for what God is about to release. I got two more words for you. Two more prophetic words to let you settle in your spirit. Are you ready? Comment on the chat. Let me know you're still here. Are you ready? The first word is probe. It's really dig, but I wanted it to start with a P because every other word that I've gave you started with a P. So I went with probe, but it's really dig. And you know, the last thing you want to do when you're thirsty is dig. The last thing you want to do when you're thirsty is dig. You want it to flow to you. You want to find what you need scrolling on Facebook. You want to find it on Instagram. You want to find what you need as you're dancing on TikTok. You want to find what you need in your text. You want to find what you need in a phone call. You want, the, you want what you need to ring the doorbell. You want it to be easy. You want it to be effortless. Some of you have been unable to find what you need because you keep scanning the surface. And there are some things that you won't receive scanning the surface. You got to dig. You got to sweat, you got to strain, you got to expend strength, you got to expend energy, you have to dig. You got to dig deep. Dig deep into your prayer. Dig deep into your study. Dig deep into your worship. Dig deep into your relationship with God. You have to dig deep. How do you dig deep? Anybody remember? How do you dig deep? You got to remove some things in order to access a deeper level. What is it that you need to remove in order to access a deeper level in your relationship with God? God's calling you to remove some things, to remove some distractions, to remove some time wasters, to remove some things that cloud your mind, to remove some relationships that just cultivate drama and conflict. You gotta remove some things in order to access a deeper level, in order to be prepared for what God is about to pour out. You see, what the enemy offers you is always on the surface. It always shows up in your inbox. It always shows up with a smile and a wink and a flirtation. What the enemy offers you is always easy. It's always effortless. It always flows to you. That's why it only provides momentary relief. That's why you had to come back tomorrow, next week, next month, and drink again. 
I don't know about you, but I'm tired of letting the enemy manipulate my thirst in order to control my life. That's really good. Somebody needs to hear that. I'm tired of letting the enemy manipulate my thirst in order to control my life. If you'll dig deep, you'll find a well of living water that will satisfy your thirst in any environment. Did you know that you can have a, a source that your surroundings cannot influence? That's why Jesus could sleep in the middle of the storm because he had a source that his environment could not influence. I want that living water. I want that living water. God help me to dig down deep to find a well of living water that will satisfy my thirst in any climate, in any condition, in any struggle, in any battle, in any situation, in any relationship. Lord, help me to find living water that will satisfy my thirst. Somebody comment in the chat, you got to dig. Look at your neighbor and tell them, you got to dig. You got to dig. You can't afford to sit back and cross your arms and fold your legs. You got to dig. Now's not the time to be passive. You got to dig. Now's not the time to be lazy. You got to dig. Something's coming in the morning. Something's coming at sunrise. God's about to move and you won't be prepared for it unless you dig. Get out your shovel and start digging. Remove whatever it is that keeps you from accessing a deeper level and start, start digging. You got to dig. The second thing that you got to do in order to be prepared for what God is about to release is you got to praise. This is so good. This is the best part of the message. If you ain't shared this yet, share it right now because this is good. This is good stuff. It's hard to be grateful when you're thirsty. It's hard to be grateful when you're thirsty because your focus is on what you want rather than what you have. Your focus is on what's absent rather than what's present. And yet in our text, it said that the water came at the time of the grain offering. The purpose of the grain offering, oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the grain offering was to praise God for His past provision. The purpose of the grain offering was to praise God for last year's harvest. Can you imagine three armies of tired, weary, exhausted, dehydrated soldiers lifting up their arms, lifting up their feeble hands, lifting up their arms to praise God for what He did last week, last month, or last year. Can you imagine hundreds, if not thousands of men diverting their focus away from their present struggle, their present need, their present lack, their present dilemma, their present scenario in order to praise God for what He did in the past. Listen, I know that you have a lot going on. I know that you have spent more time with your children than any self-respecting parent should ever have to. I know that you are on a level 100 in a scale of one to 10. I know you got marriage problems and family problems and money problems and life problems. I know you're stressed 
and anxious and discouraged and fearful and uncertain. I know it seems like the enemy is getting exactly what he wants. I know you're thirsty. I know that you're in a valley, a dry, a barren land and you're thirsty. But can I tell you a little secret? You're not the only one. God is thirsty too. And since he's the master and we're the servant, it's only right that his thirst should be satisfied before ours. So we got to figure out what God is thirsty for. What is it that the God who created all things, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful God, what is it that he could thirst for? Do you remember when Jesus spoke with the woman at the well? Do you remember the first thing Jesus said to her? If you do, impress me. Comment on the chat and let me know. I'm going to pause for 10 seconds to give you a chance to answer. What was the first thing that Jesus asked the woman at the well? Give me, give me something to drink. Jesus did not say to her first, let me give you living water. He said to her, I'm a little thirsty. I've been walking a long way. I'm tired from my journey. I've been sitting on this well waiting for you. Give me something to drink. They started their conversation out talking about water. But before the conversation was over, Jesus looked at this woman and I have the verse back there for you. I want them to put it on the screen so you can see this. Before their conversation was over, Jesus looked at this woman and said, the true worshipers of God will worship him in spirit and in truth. Watch this. And the Father seeketh such to worship him. This woman was seeking water and Jesus told her that God was seeking worship. This woman was thirsty for water, but Jesus told her God the Father is thirsty for worship. God is thirsty for worship. Which is why when they begin to praise Him in the middle of this valley, when they begin to worship Him in the middle of that dry and barren land, they satisfied God's thirst. And what happened? He turned right around and satisfied theirs. They praised God in the valley. And God sent water to satisfy their need. So what I'm saying to you is you got to learn how to praise right now. You got to learn how to praise right in the middle of your problem.
You gotta learn how to praise right in the middle of your struggle. You gotta learn how to praise right in the middle of your crisis. You gotta learn how to praise right in the middle of this pandemic. You gotta learn how to praise when you don't have anything in your bank account. You gotta learn how to praise when you don't feel good in your body. You gotta learn how to praise when you're uncertain and anxious and fearful. You gotta learn how to praise when it doesn't look like it's gonna work out or turn out. You gotta learn how to praise in that moment oh because if you can praise God while you're thirsty if you can praise him while you're thirsty his provision is going to be poured into your life before you finish the verse before you finish the course before you finish the song if you can praise God while you're thirsty his provision is going to be poured into your life before you finish praising him while you're praising God for what he's already done while you're praising him for the marriage you still have for the money you still have for the job you still have for the health you still have while you're praising God for every time he watched over you and looked after you and protected you and sheltered you while you're praising God for every time that he made a way where there seemed to be no way while you're praising him that no weapon formed against you ever prospered while you're praising him for making you the head and not the tail above and not beneath while you're praising him for past blessings and past harvest and past provision and past increase while you're praising God for what he's already done he's going to do it again he's going to do it again he's going to do it again what I'm saying is if you can praise God while you're thirsty you won't be thirsty long and I know you don't feel it I know there's not a goosebump right now running through your body. I know that there's not a wind coming up the back of your spine. I know you don't feel good in your mind, in your body, in your heart. I know that you're not excited. You're not encouraged. I know that all you see is your problem. And the enemy will try to convince you that if you don't feel it, it would be fake to do it. But see, when you don't feel it, it becomes a sacrifice. And the most powerful praise is a sacrifice of praise because it's only in a sacrifice of praise that you can truly say I'm praising him because of his person I'm praising him because he's the same yesterday today and forever and my situation my struggle my predicament my need my lack my poverty doesn't change who he is so I'm going to open up my dry and parched mouth and I'm going to praise God in spite of everything that's happening in my life I'm going to cultivate gratitude in the midst of this valley because when I cultivate gratitude God's going to send a flood of his presence. God's going to send a flood of his provision. God's going to send a flood of his blessings. God's going to send a flood of his spirit when I cultivate gratitude in the valley. See, it's easy. It's easy to see the problem and nothing else. It's easy for us to grumble and complain because Texas Roadhouse is shut down and we ain't been to the movie in two months and I ain't had a haircut in 60 days. And I start to look like John the Baptist. And I'm fed up and I'm frustrated. It's easy to only see the bad. But here's the thing. Complaining is not going to change your circumstance. But if you can find a way 
to cultivate gratitude in the valley. If you can find a way to praise him in the valley, I promise you, he's about to open up the window of heaven and pour out a blessing into your life. But he's waiting on you to give him the signal. He's waiting on you to praise him. Can you do that? Can you dig and praise? Can you probe and praise? Can you probe and praise? How do I survive this valley? Probe and praise. How do I come out on the other side? Probe and praise. How do I have victory? Probe and praise. Listen, you may not realize it, but this is a pivotal moment in our lives because it's not just about provision for the present. It's not just about getting the water that we need. How you quench your thirst in the valley determines whether or not you have victory over the enemy. The same ditches you dug to satisfy your thirst, God's gonna use to enable you to triumph over the enemy. The same ditches you dug to go deeper the same ditches you dug to have more intimacy and passion in your relationship with the Lord. The same ditches you dug to access levels that you've never experienced before. The same ditches you dug to go deeper. God's going to use to enable you to defeat an enemy that you've never been able to defeat before. God told me to tell somebody, this is not just a season of provision and increase and expansion and blessings. This is a season where you defeat enemies that you've never defeated before. This is a season of broken chains. This is a season of destroyed yokes. This is a season of torn down strongholds. This is the season where your addiction is buried once and for all. This is the season where you overcome that obstacle. This is the season where you have victory in that area of your life where you've never had victory before. This is your season. This is your season. Somebody tell your neighbor that. This is your season. Can I tell you one more thing? One more thing God told me. Can I? Can I? I know I've been 42 minutes. I know I'm long-winded in this series, but can I tell you one more thing? God told me to tell you that if you can rely on Him in this moment, He's not just going to give you what you need. He's going to give you what you wanted. What was it that you wanted? You're going to have to zoom out on me for this. What was it that you wanted in the beginning? What was it that you wanted before the setback, before the disappointment, before the heartbreak, before the devastation? What was it that you wanted before the valley? What was it that you wanted before you took it off the table? before you removed it out of the equation, before it became too big, too far, too much? What was it that you wanted before you convinced yourself that it was no longer in the cards for you, that too much stuff had happened, that too much time had passed? What was it that you wanted before somebody else told you that it would never be and you'd never have it and you'd never reach that point? What was it? What was it that you wanted when you first got married? What was it that you wanted when you first started your ministry? What was it that you wanted when you first opened your business? 
What was it that you wanted before life wiped that smile off your face? What was it that you wanted before the heartbreak, before the wound, before the disappointment? What was it that you wanted? I need you to remember. I know it was a long time ago, but what was it that you wanted? God told me to tell you that what you wanted in the beginning, you can still have. God told me to tell you that what you set out to do in the beginning is still doable. God told me to tell you that what you set out to accomplish in the beginning, you can still accomplish. You think this valley has ruined everything. You think it sabotaged your success. You think it's caused the window of opportunity to shut. You think that you will never recover, that you'll never get back, that you'll never have what you lost. But the enemy is a liar. God's seen this valley coming before you ever stepped foot into it. And it has always been a part of his plan for your life. So if you'll rely on him in this moment, not only are you going to come out of this valley but you're going to come out with what you wanted in the very beginning you're going to defeat the enemy that you set out to defeat in the very beginning you're going to receive what you wanted to receive in the very beginning you're going to have the vision that you wanted in the very beginning Joseph the pit the prison the accusation the betrayal the loss it has not stopped God's plan for your life you're going to have the dream that you had from the very beginning God's going to see it through God's going to finish what he started in your life. You tried to turn loose of it. You tried to give up on it. You tried to convince yourself it wasn't worth it. You tried to tell yourself you didn't even want it anymore. You tried to put it on a shelf and walk away from it, but it was attached to you because it's something that God gave you. It's a vision that God gave you. It's a plan God gave you. It's a dream God gave you, and he is going to make it happen in your life. If you can trust God in this moment, your life is never going to be the same again if you can believe all things. No, l- let me correct that. If you can believe again. Because see, you believed at one point in your life, but then stuff happened. Tragedy happened. Crisis happened. Disappointment happened. Valleys happened. If you can believe again, All things are possible to him that believes. I know, I feel this because in November, I was fully persuaded that God was going to heal my back. That on November 30th, every issue that I have with my back and my health was going to be completely and totally eradicated from my life. That I was going to be restored and healed and it didn't happen not the way that I thought and you know it's been hard to pray for healing since then it's been hard to get excited about that since then because disappointment has robbed me of my enthusiasm my excitement disappointment has robbed me of my belief that that can happen in my life but you know what I don't don't care that it didn't work out then. 
Because I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, if you can believe again. See, the reason that God called me to preach this sermon series is because He wants to cause a resurgence of faith in people's hearts, minds, and souls. God wants to cause faith to begin to bubble up inside of you again. Just like He sent water into that dry valley right now. He's sending water into the valley of disappointment. Water into the valley of devastation. He's sending a flood of faith into all of your unfulfilled expectations. A flood of faith into your hesitation. A flood of faith into your fear. God is sending a flood of faith. All things are possible. All things are possible. Listen, before we do the altar call, if you believe that I've been speaking to you throughout this sermon series, I want you to stand to your feet. Those of you here, come up just like you have before. Because we're going to pray. We're going to pray and believe. Come on up here. This is a pivotal moment. This is a pivotal time. We got to be ready because something big's coming. And God has called you to reevaluate your idea of what's possible in your life. A resurgence of faith, a flood of faith. Can we pray together? Would you bow your head wherever you are? Lord, we know that something's coming. We know that you're getting ready to move. We know that a great outpouring is getting ready to happen. And we want to be ready. We don't want to miss it. We don't want to not take advantage of the season that we are in. Lord, we want to be ready. Help us to dig, to remove whatever we have to remove in order to access deeper levels. Help us, Lord, to praise you in the midst of our heartbreak. Help us to praise you in the midst of our disappointment. Help us to praise you in the midst of our struggle. Help us to praise you in the midst of our thirst. God, I ask that you send a flood of faith right now. Send a flood of faith into every dry and barren place of our life. Send a flood of faith into our broken hearts, our shattered dreams. Send a flood of faith into those things that we've convinced ourselves it couldn't be and we won't ever have it. Send a flood of faith into our minds, in our hearts, in our spirit. All things are possible to him that believes. Lord, send a flood of belief across this land send a flood of belief across your church nothing is off the table nothing is out of the equation nothing is too big nothing is too much nothing is too far as we pray to you God send a flood of faith I'm going to believe again I'm going to believe again for my healing I'm not letting it go I'm going to believe again I'm going to believe again for my business. I'm not letting it go. I've been disappointed. 
but I'm not going to let my disappointment cost me my destiny. I'm going to believe again. I'm going to believe again for my marriage. I'm going to believe again for my babies. I'm going to believe again for my ministry. I'm going to believe again for deliverance. I'm going to believe again for chains to be broken. I'm going to believe again for defeat over the enemy. I'm going to believe again for victory. What is it that you need to believe again for? In the name of Jesus, belief is flooding into your heart right now. Give the Lord some praise. Thank you for listening to the Redemption Podcast. We hope you have enjoyed today's message. For more great messages, please subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music and leave us a rating and review while you're there. For more information, please visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash redemption ky.